Hi everyone. Hi Nadia. How are you? Hi. How are you? It's pretty early in the morning, 4:30 a.m. I guess it's your side. Yes, it is. Um, but I'm wide awake and ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> great, great, great. Welcome everyone. Uh, I also introduce you to Dimple Kumar. Hello everyone. Hi. Hello everyone. Welcome to uh, today's healing circle. I am really sorry we were facing some technical uh, glitches today so hence the delay in uh, starting um very uh, happy and humble uh, to be here since uh, today's circle is going to be um like every circle is unique and uh, so today's circle is also very uh, special circle we have nadia with us uh, and she is going to walk us through the journey she has gone through with her sister a very deep emotional and healing journey so i am just no <laughs> i think that today's circle is going to be a bit emotional for all of us because just by hearing your story uh, uh, your journey we were like oh my god you know there is more than cancer there is more than this there is a lot of things in this so thank you so much nadia for accepting the invitation and thank you for joining us today we will uh, uh we'll start with uh, your journey and i would uh, like to uh, i would like kishan to introduce you about yourself and then we'll uh, take it forward from there just yeah okay great um first off thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it um and i'm really excited to see how these circles work um i am a student at san jose state university uh currently uh getting my well will be getting my teaching credential after spring I graduate um and I coach soccer I've played soccer since 5 years old and it's been a big passion so now I coach two soccer teams uh girls teams and then I also coach the soccer boys middle school team over here too so uh lots of soccer lots of staying active um you know as uh we'll get a little bit more into it later but my sister and I were very active and lived healthy and active lifestyles so um activity and fitness is a huge part of my uh life wow okay thank you for sharing that we'll begin with the guidelines of the healing circle so we um healing circles are built on a foundation of kindness and respect circle participants agree to treat each other with kindness and respect listen with compassion and curiosity honor each other's unique way of healing and don't presume to advise or fix or try to save each other we hold all the stories shared in the circle with us we trust each of us has guidance we need within us and we rely on the power of silence to access it we behave in a nurturing ways when we are in a circle we commit ourselves to listen with compassion speak with intention tend to the well-being of the whole circle and it is all of us who are part of this circle and who make this circle a healing circle so uh, thank you one, uh, once again uh, as my introduction i am jimple parmar and i um, am a founder of uh, lavils cancer and zenoncoro.io uh, we have my co-host for today's circle uh, kishan with us and kishan is also uh, uh, running uh, lavils cancer in zenoncoro.io we are running these two ventures together so a warm welcome everyone i would request um, nadia to please uh, introduce yourself uh, to the group 
Oh, for me? Yeah. Introduce myself again? I mean, the, the journey from where it began and uh, because uh, we all know that, you know, you met your sister uh, at an orphanage and that's how you found out that you both are twin sister. So, and after that, you started living together and then all of a sudden, uh, she got diagnosed with colon cancer at a very young age. So, um, can you please uh, share that part of the journey when it all began? Yes. Um, so, uh, we were adopted at the age of five in St. Petersburg, Russia. Um, and before, um, before, well, we apologize. Um, we actually grew up as best friends in the orphanage, not knowing we were sisters. So we already had an incredible bond. Um, you know, I get that question all the time asking, oh, how do you not know your sisters? I think it's just because we had such a close relationship. We just didn't know we were sisters at the time. We just grew up as best friends. Um, so then uh, my parents, uh, uh, were interested in adoption. And so they decided to adopt both of us. And the orphanage was very, we were very fortunate because the orphanage decided to adopt us together, which was really big because sometimes you don't get adopted together. Um, so we were adopted at age five and uh, we moved to the United States then. Um, whole different experience. I mean, we've had uh, many different experience, many different cultural experiences from Russia to the United States, as you guys can imagine. Um, you know, we, <laughs> a little funny story is, you know, we never knew what um, sleep was unless we slept. And so when we got to the United States, we saw my parents go to bed and we started crying hysterically um, because we didn't know what sleep was. And um, we thought it was death. So we got really terrified. And just those little, you know, just a different perspective in a child's view, that's huge, you know. And so it's just one of those things where uh, different cultural experiences, different aspects of coming into your life, um, being at such a young age. And so then, um, you know, we grew up together as best friends, playing soccer. Um, that was a huge outlet, especially through her diagnosis. And then, um, you know, we, we did what, uh, a lot of twins go through is, uh, we, you know, we grew up going to the same high school, very close. We had different friends. We had the same friends. We had different hobbies, different relationships and, uh, different parts of, uh, our lives. And then, uh, April 20th, uh, uh, 2015, she was diagnosed with colon cancer stage four at 25 years old. Um, and you know, a, a, you know, any kind of cancer at that age and even younger, which I've, uh, uh, have friends that unfortunately have had those experiences. Um, it's just one of those things where you don't realize you have it. And, you know, my biggest intake on all this is cancer doesn't discriminate in age. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely one of those things where she had symptoms, but she prolonged for so long because she knew, you know, you only, you know, your body the best. And so she kind of shook it off thinking it was just stomach pain. Cause she did have as much as we were healthy throughout our whole lifestyle. Um, she did have, um, uh, she did have a, uh, as much as we had a healthy lifestyle, she did have stomach pains quite a bit throughout her life. I don't think it was caused to this, but it was just more of like, okay, well, 
you know, I ate something bad. Um, so she was, uh, you, you only, you know, your body. She was, so she was, uh, she was diagnosed April 20th, um, of 2015 and she had stage four to begin with. So it was a completely emotional, uh, start and, you know, mm-hmm. we did our best. She was a complete fighter till the end. Um, and then she passed peacefully. She made that decision herself, uh, December, 2019. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, 2016. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. So when she was diagnosed, uh, did she have any symptoms before the diagnosis, which we by chance ignored? Yes. So she had, uh, the common symptoms for colon cancer is, um, bloating, uh, blood and stool, stomach pains, and weight loss. And she had almost all four to begin with. Um, but again, you know, she shook it off to begin with. And it wasn't necessarily that she wanted to come in. My parents were actually in Europe when it happened. Um, and so we were home by ourselves. And, you know, she wasn't feeling good. And she kind of kept us away from a lot of people. And she told one of her best friends. And then the moment that we went in and uh, got tests for her done. She found out that she had cancer. So it was definitely a few months before um, that it happened. And, you know, and of course, if you continue to wait, it's not as good. And stage four colon cancer is, if you can't catch it at a good stage, it's very unfortunate sometimes. I've, mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of people recover, but I've also seen a lot of people not because it's a really tough cancer to battle. Yes, it is. And uh, that reminds me of uh, my late husband who had colon cancer. Uh, and mm-hmm. we have a very similar journey where Nitesh was diagnosed with colon cancer uh, 3C at the age of 25. Wow. Yeah. So um, he had standard treatment for one year. Uh, his symptoms were before he was diagnosed, as you rightly said, he had weight loss. He had severe constipation. He had mm-hmm. severe back pain, and he would, you know, uh, feel like bloating and not eating. Um, he ignored it for three months because, you know, as young people, we feel that maybe our lifestyle is like that. He was in the tremendous stress. Also, I'm not sure mm-hmm. if your sister had that. Pranitesh had wasn't under big stress for four or five months, and then he was diagnosed with cancer. So. Um, oh, wow. He did not sleep well for months and then uh, because of the stress and the work he was surrounded by and then he started developing these symptoms which uh, he ignored Um, but then when it became unbearable when the pain was unbearable that he was not able to sleep and then also he had rectal bleeding so he thought that it's spies so he -hmm. went to hospital but then doctor knew what it is and they asked him to do colonoscopy and then they found out that it's third stage cancer. So uh, very unfortunate, especially when young people, they get diagnosed with cancer, such as colon cancer. It's really difficult to cure. Absolutely. Um, but on the contrary, I know many uh, young people as well who had colon cancer at young stage and then they also survived. So it really depends on the, the time of diagnosis, the surroundings and the kind of lifestyle you're leading and many other genetic factors as well. I'm really sorry to hear about your sister. And I uh, just pray that other people who are going through the similar journey gets all the support and the right guidance at the right time. And we all youngsters, we should not ignore our health and really look at the symptoms if there is any and then uh, 
meet the doctor or you know um, take the actions at the right time then uh, before it's too late because uh, we always say that precaution is prevention is better than cure but what if there is no cure so yeah uh, really, absolutely yeah and uh going back to kind of what you said you know uh it is really a cancer that um, I think um, I wrote in my book um, that uh, statistically you are supposed to be getting checked for colonoscopies about 50. Um, it's now dropped down to 40, uh, either 40 to 45. Yeah. yeah um, right. And it's increased, it's, it, it's increasing in young um, right. quite a bit. And so it's, it's a very unfortunate uh, cancer to have. However, uh, with the technology we have these days, you can, uh, you know, if they do see a pile, uh, polyp, uh, you can get it removed and that, you know, other cancers don't have that technology to show that you have, you know, the pre-cancer. Yeah. Uh, so that's really, really fortunate. So uh, Nadia, when she was diagnosed with this, and I'm uh, pardon me and feel free to ignore my questions or you know stop me right there if it is getting emotional if you're not able to talk about it. So I I totally understand this. So uh, when she was diagnosed with this, how did you and your family took this uh, this diagnosis and the big shock of the entire cancer journey? Because I'm sure nobody's prepared for cancer. We don't know how to take actions. How to we all learn it from the scratch. So um, how did you take the trauma of initial diagnosis? You know, everyone's journey is different. And uh, because my sister and I were so close to each other, I think we really just, we didn't stop life. Um, um, I actually continued to work. I continued to have a normalcy, um, which I think is really, really big because um, with the event that happened in a uh, you know, saddening situation. Um, I wasn't um, stopping my life for my sister's health, and she wouldn't have wanted that for me either. And um, it's kind of interesting because we had a relationship where we never wanted to see each other upset, and so a lot of the phone calls, a lot of the, or a lot of the communication that we had through each other. Um, was actually through text, communicate or uh, text, email, phone call, Facebook, um, because we didn't want to physically see each other um, at our worst. Um, and um, I truly believe in uh, twin empathy. I really think that that really is something that twins go through. And uh, you know, I always wanted to see her at her best. So even though it was. Um, sometimes hard at home to see her at her worst. You know, I was always there for her. I was always, uh, you know, helping with meal plans, um, taking her places. And the other thing too, is she never defined, you know, she never let cancer discriminate her because the, the thing is, is she lived life to the fullest. I mean, mm -hmm. there was one day where she was going through chemo and she played eight games of soccer within a week. And oh, yes, it was too much. Wow. But I mean, that is our passion. That was our outlet. Um, that was something we could cope through together. Um, even when she couldn't cope through it, um, she was there watching me play. So we had just an incredible bond. And I think that's what really helped us stick together no matter what the results were. I actually, uh, it was, at first it was very shocking, obviously. Um, and I, you know, I, I it still hasn't processed to me. It wasn't at that stage where, she had something wrong. And given the fact that my mom, her both, her parents, uh, 
passed away with cancer when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, as much as we're adopted, it ru- cancer runs a lot in our family. And uh, my mom, you know, when she was going through this, she had a completely different perspective uh, than me because she knew a lot of, she had the experience behind her. Um, so with me going into this new, you know, I was there for her. I made, you know, uh, we had a shower card for her. We, we have a soccer community out here, uh, with Brandy Chastain. She's a, uh, former, uh, national soccer player. Um, very famous. Um, she came over, she, uh, you know, we've had a relationship with her since we were five going to her camps and stuff. And when she found out it hit the big soccer community. So we were, mm-hmm. you know, we're very well known. She was very well known here and we're very well and very, or very well known here. and very unfortunate for that. Um, because, um, it wasn't just our family being able to cope with this. Yeah. It was also, um, you know, a community behind us. And of course, uh, all of my family members, my mom, my dad, and my sister, we went to counseling as normal. Um, And it's nice to go to counseling. And if anyone ever needs to go to counseling, it's great because, um, you know, you love your parents and you love your family, but they know you and they will tell you what you want to hear. And if you go to um, someone that you don't know, um, someone, you know, that keeps things confidential and between you and doesn't judge you. It's easier to have an outlet like that. And so I think that was, re- I think that's something that's very, um, uh, a lot of people don't realize, you know, sometimes you get scared to go to a counselor, but it really does heal you inside. Yeah. So I think that's a big, big uh, part of our yeah. coping mechanisms. And very important thing you mentioned here, which also, and I, I'm wondering why I did not I think about this before. You mentioned that it's totally okay to visit a counselor and you have your family with you, but then they know you and they know what you want to hear. So it's important that you visit a counselor. So thank you for sharing that insight. We have, Absolutely. Yeah. We have someone with us by the name Oppo A5 who wants to ask question. So uh, you may ask your question, uh, unmute yourself and ask the question or you can also write your questions or not just questions, but anything you want to share from your journey, you can unmute yourself and share it because we would love to hear from everybody's experiences. Like me and Nadia, we are sharing our experiences. Uh, Feel free to share yours as well. Please unmute yourself and then share it. Thank you. Yeah, even uh, Nadia to us, when uh, we got to know the diagnosis, initially it was third stage. And um, as youngsters uh, who are studying and uh, also we had our startups, we took this diagnosis very normal. Uh, as in, it's okay, uh, you know, uh, we'll go through the treatment and it will be over soon in one year. So uh, we did not know that after one year, the dark clouds which are coming to uh, catch us. So uh, after the diagnosis, uh, the treatment got over and uh, like today the treatment got over and tomorrow he was diagnosed with last stage cancer with multiple tumors throughout the body. So very, uh, very unfortunate, uh, very unfortunate part. And it came as a big shock, big trauma to all of us where uh, we did not know uh, how to handle this this trauma because we were about to start a new life and then uh, the diagnosis came where everybody said that he has six months to live. But uh, Nadia, what I see here, you when you began the circle, you mentioned that uh, she accepted it and gracefully she merged and then she decided to uh, give a closure or end this. So uh, 
I'm sure before that there were a phase where you were doing caregiving for her. So can you please share your insights? Uh, it doesn't have to be like the positive or happy always. I'm sure what caregivers you know go through. I I was a caregiver once, so I can really understand it. So can you please share what it was like being a caregiver to our young sister? Yeah. Um. So. A couple of things. Um, Being a caregiver, sometimes they're very overlooked because it is about the patient. However, the caregiver needs to have the care for themselves and the time for themselves because they are caring for one. Um, So I do think strongly sometimes caregivers are overlooked. And um, I think that's the reason why my story is so impactful is because it's a caregiver's experience. Um, uh, And I just think that like, Um, going through as a caregiver than the patient. Of course, there were multiple aspects that we had, multiple perspectives we had. Um, You know, I felt horrible that this happened to my sister. You know, I always thought, why not me? You know, it's just one of those things where you feel so hopeful or hopeless and you don't, you you can't help them Um, because watching someone in that much pain, even though they hide it, so well, you still a back back going back to um, twin empathy. You know how they feel um, just because you have that bond and that relationship with them. Um, so I think the biggest thing about it is um, having someone else go through it. Where when you love someone so much, you feel that you want to take that. I know it sounds very emotional and um, sounds a little corny, but it, it's true. You know, you 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 don't ever want something to happen to the, to them with the ones that you love. Um, so I think that's a big thing is, is, you know, you're, you're trying to cope with your emotions. You're trying to cope with their emotions. You're trying to be there for them and you just try and make the best of it. You you also want to, you know, you're supportive of them. I was always supportive of every of Vera's decision. We call her V. So if I say V, um, that's her nickname. Um, but when she passed away, you know, as time went on, uh, we had some hospice for her towards the end. Um, she passed away four days after Christmas. Um, so we knew it was pretty, uh, you know, the doctors never knew how long she had to live. Um, I never knew. And my mom had her perspective on this because again, she's been through a lot of this experience herself. So she knew that as soon as she saw her getting in pretty bad shape, she knew it was pretty time. And I'm over here kind of being positive. Of course I want to be, um, but also not know as much as, you know, not much, not know the the experience behind it as much. Um, So, you know, I'm just, you know, helping and supporting her. So when she peacefully, what I mean by she told the doctor, she told her, you know, our parents to walk outside of the room. I was, of course, uh, you know, coaching at the time and nannying. I was nannying for a family. Um, and she uh, went to the doctors and she said, mom, dad, can you please leave the room? And that was when she told the doctors, I want to stop chemo. I, um, this is ruining my body. I, it's time. And so we got that decision or we made, you know, she made that decision on herself, on her own. We completely supported her. Of course, like you never want the outcome that we got, but knowing that she's at peace is just amazing. 
you know, yeah. um, especially with the journey that we went through. Um, so, you know, you never want this outcome, of course, like I mentioned, but you have to be able to support one another and, um, you have to put yourself in your shoes and I mean, in her shoes and think of what you would want at that time. So when she decided that, um, you know, we knew it was time because she was one of those girls that she was determined all the time to make sure, you know, in a soccer game, I'm going to get to that goal. I'm going to get to that goal. I'm never going to give up. And so if she ever gave up in life, it was for the very little things. Um, and having her know that her time was up was a big thing. It wasn't that she wanted to give up, but it was just one of those things where that's how hard it was on her knowing that it was time. And so we supported her as much as possible. And yeah. that was, yeah. And if I have to uh, ask you this, uh, I mean, uh, you know, as you were talking and I, I can totally imagine what your family uh, must be going through uh, the entire journey. And it, it was not easy for your sister Vera to take this decision on her own. It's very brave of her that she was able to take that call to stop the chemo and you know uh, merge within the with the light. So uh, and we couldn't we did not have guts to take that call because um, when we couldn't see any other way, we thought why not chemo, and that ultimately uh, killed him. So um, she was a brave heart who were able to take that decision to stop that and then accepting the fate. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what what's your you know um, insights for other caregivers who are going through the similar journey? What would you like to share with them? Um, I think honestly, um, like I mentioned earlier, every outcome is different. Every journey is different. Um, but what I do want to tell everyone is, uh, even through a bad outcome, I've been able to keep my life together and um, stay positive. Um, I feel that um, I've really helped a lot of people and especially helping spread my story around, um, given the fact that she was so young. Um, if I can save one person's life, that helps because um, people just don't understand that colon cancer is in the young. And I just feel that when, um, if you can make a impact in one person's life to have them go get checked. Um, I've actually had friends that have reached out to me and said, wow, you saved my life because I had no idea that I had colon cancer and I went to go get checked because you told me about all the symptoms. And for me, that's just amazing. And even though I've had a uh, rough situation that turned into something um, absolutely saddening. Um, I do feel that it has impacted many, many people in a positive way. Um, so I definitely think that even through rough times, um, you can get through them. Um, I also think that you are not alone for any caregiver out there, for any cancer patient survivor, you are not alone. There is a whole community behind you yeah. that is there to support you, guide you for anything that you need. Um, so I just think that, um, for people that do go through this, it is, uh, something that, um, can be dealt with in ways where you cannot even imagine. And I think you can get more positive positivity out of it, no matter what the outcome is. Right. Okay. 
that's uh, very well said you know um, it's the positivity and the optimism with the hope that one day it will all be fine and that one ray of hope keeps us going motivating and uh, giving strength to walk on this path um, yeah take care of yourself to take care of the person who is having cancer and to to take care of the entire family and the other things so uh, uh, yeah so when uh, when vera was going to the journey and uh, she said that she doesn't want to take chemotherapy and she wants to end this right so when she took mm-hmm. this decision um, what was your say on that but were you um, fearful that if you stop it it might spread or uh, you should not stop your chemotherapy or uh, anything um honestly when you go through one of these things it's so up and down throughout the whole entire journey and you just it's like a fast car it's like it never stops you know and like you're just going 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 and you're like okay it's almost like you have to just go with it you know uh but when she told us it was kind of like okay i need to prepare myself mentally um you know i wasn't really mentally preparing myself how i'm going to live life without her because i didn't think it was real you know you you really don't uh it, it's a very and you know it's a very it's a very hard thing to explain um not that i don't want to it's very hard to put into words uh the experience behind it all is just you don't realize how life is so precious until someone is gone that you love and when she made that decision uh to let her uh self go you know we supported her and i had uh, multiple talks with her before she passed um and you know i think she was holding on for us and um it is true i don't know if some of you guys have heard this before but um you know the closest ones to you they will never pass away by you um and so actually i've i was with her for the last 24 hours other than sleep um but she her room is right next to my room um and so she was at home at this time and the last 24 hours i was with her and i just needed a 5 minute break like absolutely just 5 minutes i was like okay so i walked into the living room laid on the couch took a deep breath my mom was in with her and my dad was actually outside um planning some things with a uh, family and um my dad gets a text message and he walks in and he goes nadia Vera passed away and i was like oh my gosh and the crazy part is is like as much as i would want her or i would want to be with her when she passed when she took her last breath i'm glad i didn't because that's not the last thing i wanted to see of her my last memory was with her was holding her hand and saying it's time to go like you can go i love you so much and i know i again that is very emotional to say very emotional to share um but it is reality and i think that probably would have been or that is better for me to uh remember than being able to see her uh breathe one last time you know and so it's just one of those things where you it it comes so fast you know she was um i believe she was on hospice for about 4 or 5 days so it wasn't too long um because she lived for 8 months with cancer um so it was it was pretty bad to begin with but she uh the chemo wasn't working then it was working and then 
her body was just shutting down from it um, because she was getting so much of it. And um, unfortunately, chemo does affect, of course it affects mm-hmm. you, but it affects you in different ways and it changes your body. Like it's not you. And I remember Christmas morning, you know, we have all these traditions that we had, especially Christmas time. We came around Christmas time. So that's our favorite holiday. Um, so we have these good memories and now we have these memories that we need to be able to cope with and uh, adjust to. But I remember Christmas morning, she was lying on the couch and she couldn't even open presents. And we were to the point where it was like, all right, this is reality. Um, you know, we're going to give her as much comfort. We're going to give her as much support. We're going to tell her how much we love her 24 seven, but whatever happens, happens. And again, as hard as it is to have not a sister anymore, it's amazing to feel that she's okay. Thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing that, Nadia. And we'll all will take a, a minute of silence to just absorb uh, what you have just shared and uh, pray for your sister and Nitesh that they both are happy, they both are okay and at peace out there. We'll just take a minute of break. Thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm totally, uh, totally relate to this. And you know, um, everybody uh, goes through uh, different experiences. Um, here, uh, Vera took the call of uh, stopping the treatment, and there, Nitesh and me, we could not, we could not take that call. So he took more than thirty cycles of chemotherapy. Many people advised us against this. Uh, they were our, they were our well wishers, and they said that don't take more chemotherapy because he has crossed the limit where it it's going to help him, or rather it's more harming him. But uh, uh, we were scared that what if we stop the treatment and it might spread all of a sudden? But that's not how it happens. Uh, we were ill educated in terms of cancer and how it grows, how it happens at the end. We were not educated on end-of-life conversations. We never had those conversations except one time where his results were bad and he said that, I don't want to die. Um, I was upset with him because uh, he was not following a, a very, uh, you know, I would say, good lifestyle where the things he's supposed to do, the things he's supposed to eat. Yeah. And of course, because his body was giving up and we did not know that. So he would throw up everything and then he'll be like, uh, uh, so, but he was also spending more time on gadgets and I was uh, getting irritated on that, that Nitesh, you should walk more, uh, meditate, read something, chant or eat this, but not spending more time on gadgets. But that was his passion. So this is what he wanted to do. Uh, so uh, when the reports came bad and he said that, Temple, uh, I don't want to die. And uh, I remember we were sitting in the park in California and um, we just received the reports. And this is the, this is the first and last time I heard from him about death uh, because we never had those conversations. We never accepted that 
you are dying in three months, you are dying in two months. Rather, while doctors were giving us constant reminder that he has three months left, and he would only ask doctor, how much time do I have? Um, so, uh, and when it it happened, uh, we both were not ready to uh, accept that. And I remember that when uh, one night um, he was sleeping, but he was not able to sleep. So he was like lying down, and because his lungs were choking, so. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so the last two days he was, you know, look, we had pin drop challenge in the home, only we two were there. And I, I could sense something is wrong. And I called a doctor and he said that, uh, he was a family doctor in US. And he said that, Dimple, uh, if this is the situation, then let nature take its course. And I was like, what are you saying, doctor? I asked, I called you to find a solution, not to tell me to give up and stop everything. So uh, yeah. for me at that time, Stopping everything means giving up. Well, today I would not, I don't think about stopping the treatment in the same way as I used to think before. And then all of a sudden one night he said that I'm not able to uh, breathe. He did not even say that because he was not able to speak. And then he ended up uh, immediately, uh, he just lost his breath and I called 911 and um, they immediately admitted him in ICU. Um, oh. Yeah, and then that time also a few people told me to, let him go. They told me that, no, Dimple, just uh, let him go. Push the button. It just, you know, uh, I mean, you have to press a button and then the ventilator will stop and then he will pass away. And I was like, what are you saying? Because, you know, and, 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 uh, uh, and, and we are not, uh, we, we don't learn talking about death or talking about end of life conversation. It's all new happening to us. So, when this happened and then when whenever Nitesh was coming into uh, consciousness, whenever he was writing something to share with uh, me or with the doctor, I, doctor was telling me to tell him that it's time to go. They were telling mm-hmm. me to tell Nitesh that you are dying. Any, any last words you have. Uh, but I couldn't tell this to him. And I told doctor that he, I'm the only hope he has left. And if I tell him that you are dying, then he will definitely give up and he would not have any hope after that. So I did not tell him that you are dying while, because I did not believe in that, honestly, until the last day I had hope because uh, I was, I took permission from the doctors and gave him so much of the other alternative medicines, the other alternative modes of treatment. Uh, he mm-hmm. was unconscious, but uh, he was feeding through the feed pipe and all. And then I did not give up that I will try everything because I believe that I have hope. And even people have come back from near-death experiences, then why can't he? If with that hope I got married to him and I did everything what I did, then why today I'm giving up when uh, everything depends on my hope or what he's thinking? So, uh, so he was in ICU for 23 days. And uh, one day uh, I got the reports that his reports, uh, that the liver and everything is coming back to normal except the parts where he had cancer. And that day I was laughing and I mean, I was smiling, I was dancing and I, I told doctor that doctor hugged me that this is a miracle. His, his parameters are coming back to normal. And we were like, wow, he's going to get better now. And I was chanting day in, day night and many other spiritual things I was doing. But unfortunately, after two days, um, of that day when his reports were good, um, because of some manual intervention from the doctor, uh, his heart stopped. And then, and then there was a time when I had to take a call whether to bring him back or let him go. Um, yeah. You know, when the code blue happens. 
so uh, and in just a second he was gone in just uh, i mean in just 4 5 seconds his heartbeat came from 132 directly 190 and 80 and 70 and 60 and 40 and then all machines started beeping and then nurses said he is dying i was like his reports were good he is not dying uh, because i know what this doctor did the nurse nursing attendant did not do well his job and um, and then they said he is gone already and i could see that straight line of his heartbeat but then i had a few seconds to decide whether to bring him back through cpr and other practices uh, to resuscitate him or or he's just gone and i had in that moment i was not able because i had just few seconds to decide and i i did not see that coming so i told mm-hmm. doctors that bring him back uh, they all advised me against it but i was like his reports were good and that's the hope i have that's the only hope i have because his reports are good um they did code blue uh, they did bring him back but the way they brought him back i couldn't see that i was mm-hmm. cursing myself the day that day i cried a lot uh after his death i did not cry that much compared to the day i did this to him and i yeah. I, i was i was like no i am am i hurting him am i helping him uh his parents were not there when he he you know uh, when his heart stopped beating because it all happened all of sudden uh mm-hmm. usually there is a pattern you know first bp comes down your other parameters come down but in his case it was matter of seconds um and then um, I, i i decided to bring him back he did come back but the process was not good i would not put again anybody in that situation uh because we never had those end of life conversations i don't know how he wanted to die we all know how to live well but we don't know how to die well because we don't talk about it yeah and i simply don't know what he wanted to do um he come came back uh anyway he had two pipes in his mouth and then after that there were three pipes i was like what kind of life is that what kind of state he is in uh i was not able to decide on anything that okay but since that day when his heart stopped and i told god that now my prayers are changing all this while i prayed that he recovers and bring back to normal see but now i'm saying that he uh, lives in peace and comfort wherever he is be it here be it there and the 14th march 2018 was the day when he uh, took his last breath in the morning at 10 uh, am so um, you know the the coincident part is that he chose that day which is 14th march and uh, me and nitesh when we met first time it was the uh, 14th december when we uh, went on a first date it was 14th august when we uh, got uh, when uh, there was valentines day when you know, when he got placement some companies was 14th date so uh, and then when we got married it was 14th august so one day uh, like Three years back, I was telling you know I was messaging him that Hitesh, what a coincidence you know all these special dates are falling on 14th only, and then he wrote that 14th March dot 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 in a very calm smiley. And I was like, I don't remember what happened on 14th March, and then he did not reply to that, and then he chose that day 14th March to go, and maybe that's mm-hmm. what he meant uh, with that. I don't know if it is a coincidence or what this is, but this is what happened. 
and many other things as well so uh, end of life conversation something which i did not do and uh, uh, and that's conversation which we do now with other cancer patients in terms of putting their wishes first asking them how they want to die and even today me and kishan we talk about it that you know if uh, anything happens and you know god forbid if we are in that situation where there is a dead end then then please let me go and he also says the same because uh, um that is a uh, we we get scared from it but it's a beautiful concept mm-hmm. and we we learn that we start living life so um uh, again your sister vera who um decided and then uh, she merged within the light it's such an i would say a very uh, brave exp a brave journey and she, you know when she took her own decision to do this because uh, what i have seen in my experience when i am now working with cancer patients uh 90% of the people 95% of the people are not able to take that call that mm-hmm. i will die in 3 months 2 months one week and then i will stop the treatment they they stop the treatment when body is not able to take it and maybe now you have a few weeks left and then that's the time they stop the treatment so and yeah. while uh, and while patient says that they want to stop but caregivers are not ready that's another thing yeah. so well uh, what you mentioned there that really like lit up my eyes were um uh you know you don't realize how strong cancer patients can be yeah. and i think that's what really uh tests them um and you know everyone's different but like for caregivers um you know sometimes you know that person so you're like oh i don't know if she can take that but wow you surprised me because you could um because she went through it she you know her mentality the first few months were like i got this like i'm going to beat this probably because she didn't experience it enough not know behind it you know the knowledge um but the fact that like even though she pro- maybe knew that she would probably still take it as a positive uh fight and i think that's the biggest thing it's just so unfortunate for people to have cancer but i yeah. do think strongly uh that a lot of people that do uh take this journey they are very positive and i think that really helps us today with uh the word cancer is it's such an ugly word but there are so many so many people that are so positive throughout their yeah. journeys that's what helps us definitely mm-hmm. yeah uh and you know uh, and there are many people who are listening to this conversations who are watching us we would also invite them also in some time to share their experiences they are cancer conquerors they have gone through the journey survived it i would say conquered it not just survived it so uh, and also you know and i'm sure that now I, when i think about nitesh or this entire experience with cancer uh i get a sense of satisfaction a proud feeling of what uh i did for him or what you did for your sister uh, how you stood with herself to take care of her and after that the book which you wrote in her memory and the many other things as a patient advocate you are doing for other cancer patients i feel that you know a cancer comes in our life maybe we are directly affected by it or indirectly it teaches us the most important uh, life lessons it yeah as a purpose so want to hear from you what's your purpose what what was your inner calling with this entire experience um i think my purpose in life is just to uh you know my sister always said um 
there are no bad days. There are just bad moments. And I live through that every day because I know I'm very fortunate with the life that I have. I'm healthy. Um, I get to play sports. You know, um, I go to school, I have an education and um, it could be worse, you know. Um, So it's just one of those things where um, as much as cancer has affected me in multiple ways um, and, you know, including other family members, um, you just can't take life for granted. And going through one of these things really reassures that definitely. Yeah, right. So uh, this book, which you wrote in your sister's memory and your experiences, mm-hmm. can you please uh, walk us through that? Yes. Um, so it's funny because my friends were always telling me, uh, you know, you should write a book because your life is so interesting. And I just said, why? Like, I don't know what I would write about, you know. Um, but the more I grew up, um, a lot of people were like, wow, you're it's not just the cancer journey journey. Your life is like the punchline is when we were adopted, not knowing we were best friends, you know, we were sisters at the time we grew up as best friends. And, um, it's just crazy because, um, being able to write this book, um, is almost like a, you know, a coping mechanism. Um, it lets me heal in some ways. And, um, you know, I have it with me right now, uh, so if, uh, if anyone wants to uh, buy it, half the proceeds go to American Cancer Society. Um, you can get it on Amazon Books. It's called Finding Faith and Hope. And I don't want to say too much about it because um, you, you guys can read about it if you're interested. Um, but our names in Russia, in Russian, mean faith and hope. And so um, the title comes from Finding Myself Within Myself After My Sister Passes. Um, so it starts with our, you know, our life in Russia. It starts with, uh, growing up together, you know, the cultural difference, the child's perspective rather than the adult vision of growing in a different, uh, country. And so, um, then it talks about our high school. It talks about our soccer relationship. It talks about twin empathy. And then at the end, it talks about a caregiver's perspective as, um, in the, uh, I think it's the post chapters. Um, and then it also talks about what I'm doing in my life now. Um, I've, uh, been able to cope a lot of cope in many ways from this because um, I've been able to share my story. And I think sharing a story like this one, it's so unique and so inspiring, I say. Um, And I just feel that if I, again, going back to kind of what I said earlier is if I can make a difference in someone's life, that helps me. And I think a lot of people can't share their story. I'm very fortunate that I'm able to share my story. Um, So it just seems it just seemed fitting. Uh, my friend and I, uh, kind of over Facebook one day, I just said, you know, how do you write a book? <laughs> and I just opened up a word doc and I started writing all my thoughts, what I would put in it. Um, it took about three, I think three, four months to write. It's a very small memoir. Um, and so it's a memory of my sister, but it was also something that really made me feel powerful. Like, yes, she passed away, but what am I going to do about it? And I've been able to help others with the story and the situation that I've had. Wow. Wonderful. Uh, you know, and uh, it's not just 
you're, you're, you know, you do stories, but it's also many other people's journeys uh, and the experiences which we all go through because everybody goes through almost similar experiences and um, I'm sure uh, many people would get inspired by uh, her journey, by your caregiving journey and uh, the wonderful work you are doing with American Cancer Society. Thank you for uh, sharing that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's just... I don't know. I mean, you never know where your life goes and it'll take you and you got to make the best of it. And I know that my sister wouldn't want me to be upset at not living my life. So I continue to live for her. I play soccer all the time. Um, I'm still, you know, and going back to kind of what I said earlier is like, I lived a normal life while she was sick. I never stopped my life. So it was, it was a lot easier for me to be able to cope with this situation. Um, Not that at any means it is very easy to you know let go someone um but it is a lot easier when you are able to um control what you want to be able to do in your life while having these tough situations so again you know this book it means so much to me it's so personal um you know I've, i've put so much hard work into it and i just hope that whoever reads it yeah. will get a really good powerful impact from it Definitely. So when you talk about the powerful and impactful journey, uh, what what lessons you want others to take from your journey? Um, I think the biggest lesson is um, get checked if you have symptoms. Do not hesitate. Um, push as well because, um, you know, some doctors, I know that they go through um, medical school and stuff, but um, there are times where they could be misdiagnosed. And this is definitely one of those things or definitely one of these circumstances that could happen. Um, I just feel that, um, you know, with their power of knowledge, it's great to have that. Um, But keep pushing because um, they could be misleading you uh, into, you know, not being able to know if you had it or not. Um, And then, you know, just live life. You know, if it comes to you, I don't want you to like, you know, I'm not saying don't, you know, just brush it off. You have cancer. Um, but lean on people. Um, because I, for the longest time I grew up probably because of my cultural background, um, because we were in an orphanage, we were very independent girls to begin with. Um, so when my sister passed, especially when my sister passed, maybe a little bit before, um, I was very independent. I never asked for help and helping, asking for help is huge. Um, I just think that it makes a huge difference when you do ask, and it's not a burden on someone if you have to be able to ask them. Um, I think those are my two intakes is, you know, get checked because, uh, cancer doesn't discriminate in age. Um, but also ask for help when you need it because um, it can come a long ways and you don't realize if you're helping that one person because they might be in those situations as well. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, thank you for uh, for sharing those lessons from your journey and I'm sure uh, uh, others would learn from your experiences because cancer is all about learning from each other's experiences and uh, not repeating the mistakes and uh, uh, living a, a good a good life, whatever number of years or months it is, uh, we can uh, we cannot maybe add uh, life to years, but we can add um, 
we can we cannot add years to life but we can definitely add life to the years or the months or the days or weeks we have with our loved ones um mm-hmm. yeah and you know um the way i remember nitesh now uh, i don't remember uh, you know that he was a smart talented iit iim guy or like that but what i remember about him is that he is a person a uh, very strong headed very strong uh, he never once said that uh, i cannot take it anymore he never once um, told me that why it happened to me why at young age i have to suffer like this or you know uh, mm-hmm. um, i'm not able to take any more medicines any more chemotherapy any more this he was he never complained about chemo as well uh, taking 30 plus cycles of chemotherapy is not uh, it's it's just not possible but then he took it he had many bad effects he would bleed from the mouth he would had blisters on the scalp on the back mm-hmm. his mouth will you know swell like this and many many other things but then um, never complained about it uh you know today if i get fever if i get uh, right now i'm having a mouth ulcer so if i you know have just this much of thing i'm like oh i'm not able to eat i'm not able to sleep i'm not able to drink water because i have mouth ulcer and then i remember that oh my god i was with nitesh and never once he complained that uh just stop it or i cannot do this always he was trying every day every moment he was at least trying so that's the way i remember um uh, about him that he wanted to at the end he was a pure transformed soul who wanted to do something good for other cancer patients and whenever i think yeah. about him in this way you see the smile which comes on my face that mm-hmm. yes uh, when, i mean cancer is a part of uh, it was a part of the journey and we did not uh, ask for it but it came when it came we accepted it we uh, we tried to do our best we uh, we tried to do every possible thing in this world to save him but at the end uh, you don't get to choose when you want to go it's whenever your time comes you have to um, you have to go but uh, and that's where i i remember a very beautiful quote which i mostly say uh, Uh, it doesn't matter how many years you live but what matters it how well you live in those years so the way yeah, he lived absolutely. in those years it was just beautiful and even he was at peace uh, during last few um, days you know the the only memorable month which i have with him like the the beautiful happy and memorable month is the last month when, before he passed away because that was the time when he was in his good full spirits he would be inviting his friends from colorado and other places that let's uh, please come and visit me you know and uh, he would play with not play as an actively play but at least he would get engaged in the conversations and all he would like you know feel like celebrating valentines day the 14th uh, february and 19th february he was in icu so his actions were not showing that he is not doing well so from heart he was very joyful very energetic but his body was giving up so that's way how uh, that's the you know how i remember him that very um, a guy who tried a person who tried until the last moment and then uh, when the death came he um, he he passed away peacefully gracefully and he had a smile on his face when he passed away and that's the the satisfaction which i carry so want to hear from you how do you remember how you want uh, your sister uh, how do you remember vera now Uh you know it's funny because uh, it's not funny but what it's a coincidence that um you mentioned that because my sister was almost the same way um she 
had a smile on her face the whole entire journey. Uh, whether it be a bad thing or a good thing throughout it, she always had a smile on her face. And the more I talk about her, just like you, um, to, uh, you know, the more I talk about her, she brings a smile to my face because that's how I remember her. I don't remember her from her struggles through this journey. I remember her through her positive and her lifted, you know, her lifted spirit that got her through everything because she, she was a girl that didn't take crap, you know? (laughs) And so she was just one of those girls where it's like, you know, I have this, I got to deal with it. And, you know, and again, coming from someone that doesn't know as much experience and knowledge behind what she really had, she took it. Um, I think it may have been different, but I don't think it would have been that different um, that much. Um, And she just had a positive mindset the whole time. Um, And about, I I remember our last happy moment, it was our birthday. Um, And uh, we were out with some friends and stuff and, you know, as much as you're not allowed to like drink on, uh, chemo and stuff, it's not good for you. Um, but she just, you know, she, she was able to have a good time. And I I definitely know that after our birthday, that's when it went downhill, but it was really nice to know from the, probably from the eight months that she lived as much as she had ups and downs between the eight months. Um, she about six months in, she probably actually had a pretty good you know, okay. yeah. journey. Even uh, Nitesh lived for eight months after his diagnosis. Exactly. Yeah, no, I mean, we were blessed. I mean, as much as we wanted her to continue to live and stuff, um, I think, I, I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to say it official or say it uh, as m- much as I think I know, but I think the doctors did say it was only three months. Um, so she did live more than she was expected mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so having those eight months were amazing rather than, you know, you have cancer, you're going to pass away in a week. Yeah. So it was just very fortunate with how much time we definitely had with her. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, and that, uh, I think, you know, I would ask this question to you for yourself and then I would um, I would speak names one by one and I would request everybody to uh, take participation in the conversation uh, so my question is uh, when we die when I die when you die how you want people to remember you how you want to mm-hmm. be remembered yeah I've actually thought of that before um, not dying, but being able to figure out how people remembered me. And um, it's kind of interesting because when some close friend of mine or my family member dies, you always think about the good, the bad, you know, what they did well, what, you know, and I think that's exactly how I'm going to feel is um, I do feel like um, given my circumstances, I do feel like a lot of people are are going to think, you know, she was very lifted, especially continuing to inspire people, um, you know, but I don't do this for myself or I do this for myself. I don't do it for fame. I don't do it for success. I don't do it to get um, the goals and stuff. I do it for myself to be able to cope in ways that many people cannot be able to imagine. Um, so I just feel like, um, I don't know what people would really say. Um, I do feel like it would be a little bit uplifting and positive. Um, but it is a very interesting question to come across. And I think that's the way I want to live my life is if I had a timeline, timeline of 
when I knew something that was going to happen. And unfortunately, we're all going to come to that day where we accept uh, death. But if I knew that, I think, and I think if everyone knew that, I think they would change their life around, you know, but it's unfortunate because you shouldn't be able to change your life around just because of knowing that you should be able to live the life that you want the way you want it to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Thank you for sharing that. And next, I would ask uh, Kishen, um, how you want people to remember you? Oh, very difficult question, to be honest. Never thought about it. And uh, uh, I think uh, somebody who was happy, uh, always had a smile on his face, uh, positive, uh, took things in the right, positive manner. and. I think this is how I will want to be remembered, uh, not by credentials or by what I have achieved or not achieved or successes or failures because those keep changing. But maybe the fact or maybe the, the uh, maybe these are the things that I would like to be remembered for. Mm-hmm. Wow. I can definitely vouch for this is the way he's living his life currently. <laughs> so, <laughs> Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so next we request Kavita auntie. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> hi. Hello. Uh, hi Nadia, especially to hi, you. Nadia. This is uh, after what I've heard and it's my first uh, sitting here and uh, very emotional at the moment. But uh, where my death is concerned, I would uh, I've given it a lot of thought and I've already decided, told all my children, my husband, my relatives, don't cry over it. I've lived a wonderful life, had a wholesome life and I really have nothing more to do now and I don't want to just wait uh, for my end, you know, I just want to so now I, I'm over 60 now and uh, oh, now I'm not trying, going to commit suicide or anything. So as long as I live, I live my life 200% give more and I completely re- realize that well, I have a uh, few years left and I'm trying to do as much good as I can. I believe in karmic theory and uh, since I have sort of, I call it, you know, since I've woken up, why not do good and uh, improve my uh, whatever life comes after I close my eyes. But I would like to be remembered as a loving mother, but also as a spirited young girl who loved life, lived well, was positive and had lots of dreams. Realized some of them, gave up some of them, but I'm happy where I am. I'm very content. I don't know about happy, but yes, I'm very content. I'm happy uh, at my situation now. And I really don't feel that I have anything more to achieve. So I'm more on my inner journey and um, just just to be. There's nothing left. Uh, I'm not a great achiever. I'm, uh, I'm not a, you know, I'm in a worldly view, I have not achieved anything in my life. But I'm just 
happy to be now and mm-hmm. as long as long as i breathe and i would like to live to 100% i have many medical issues uh, minor ones uh, diabetes and all i don't think they are big uh, issues and um, so that's it okay you know the body will degenerate no doubt but that is body's dharma but the spirit still so high and i would like to be remembered as a positive happy little girl beautiful <laughs> mm-hmm. wow lovely auntie uh, it feels like you know listening to you more and more and more thank you we'll just uh, take a minute of break to um, absorb what auntie has just shared she is not mother to only uh, two or three kids she is mother to hundreds and thousands of kids to us as well in all of us she's she's i'm just blessed to know her to have her in our lives thank you auntie thank you for joining us and blessing us with your presence thank you for sharing your experience god bless you all be happy thank you you too let's just take a minute of break thank you next i would uh, invite uh, rohit hi rohit can you please share how you yeah. able to remember you and also uh, request you to share a bit of your journey as well yeah hi nadia and dimple uh, please so show us your face we want to see you it yeah okay see such a handsome boy you are why you are not showing your face <laughs> so uh first of all thanks to both of you for sharing your story today so i think this is my fourth or fifth healing circle but today was the most emotional one the way you guys shared the story story so uh you asked to share my story initial part yeah 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 so i was diagnosed with the osteosarcoma knee cancer at the age of 11 in 2004 so as uh, we were talking about the symptoms so initially it was just a swelling in the knee and my local doctor prescribed me disprin for 3 days but uh, on fourth day he could see something in x-ray and he asked for mris and at that time mris were not so common also like they were not available in every city so it was thankfully to that local doctor who was able to diagnose something at very starting stage and he prescribed it so after that uh, i underwent nine chemotherapy cycles uh, and a knee replacement surgery at tata memorial and i think it took around one year so that was the mostly thing and yeah when seeing the session said that prevention is better than cure and what uh, when there's what if there's no cure but at the same time i also feel what if there's no prevention so if we just remove some type of cancers related to tobacco and all 
uh, most of the cancers they don't have any specific causes we can say lifestyle causes but we don't say that to a child suppose who is just 1 year old or a 2 year old when they are diagnosed with cancer today they don't have any they have not done any such kind of lifestyle that they are diagnosed with that so that's the thing that i was just going through and when you ask like how would you like people to remember you so i would like like to say that if we can do something good for people before leaving yesterday even if i whenever i go for my checkup at tata memorial i see a lot of so many people outside hospitals they don't know the direction where they have to go and so yesterday uh, last time only when i went and i was standing in the queue and one old lady came and she had a 2000 rupees note in her hand and she said that mera cancer bahut tezi se badh raha hai to aap please mere ko aage jaane do to this is the story from one side we all are able to connect because we all are linked to cancer in some or the other way but in this way there will be other things also in which people are suffering or anything like that so if we can do something for people so that's the thing thank you uh, thank you for rohit and nadia i was as well i was saying that there are many brave hearts here in this circle rohit is one of them yeah yeah he is inspiring many other people with his journey and i would share uh, i would share his journey also with you in the email thank you rohit yeah, thank yeah. you rohit thank you thank you i would request atul ji to um, share yeah good evening good evening yeah. it's quite like <laughs> i'm not like uh, able to come back from what nadia has uh, shared still in that zone yeah it was quite emotional and uh, yeah i have never thought like what, how i would be i would like to be remembered when i'm not here when i'm gone but still i feel one thing like yes i want to be a contributing citizen contribute in any way that i can not only to the cancer patients or the cancer society but to society in general so i try to like ask people like if they need any help in any way like right now in the time of covid also however whatever i know about the spiritual things or whatever alternate therapies are there uh, i try to help people as much as possible so when i'm gone i would like to be remembered as a contributing citizen who helped the people and never gave up hope mm-hmm. so that is most important thing we should never give up hope and we should always be strong yeah yeah that is what i would like people to remember me for yeah so atul ji i had this uh, no question for you because uh, i am somebody who lost a loved one to cancer nadia is someone who lost a person a sister soul sister to cancer and here you are three times cancer winner cancer conqueror so when you hear stories such as ours where we lost our loved one our patient to cancer and here you are shining helping other people has ambition to uh, do many more things what comes to your mind Mm, yeah there are a lot of things like i i can understand very well like the emotional journey that you all have been through because uh, my caregivers my family my wife my uh, kids they all have been through the same journey as you all have been through uh but yes uh, 
what i feel is like uh, i don't know everybody's journey is a different journey so i can't really comment on that but yeah i i feel like i i feel connected with all of your stories and as you were as we were talking today that you were saying like like that you are not that much educated about cancer uh during the time that you were facing that journey so what i feel and what i pray for everyone is like uh, more and more people get educated about cancer alternate therapies or whatever we can do now and in that as a healing circle or as our society whoever are survivors or whoever are like the caregivers who have been through this journey try to uh, pass on this information or this knowledge and educate more and more people uh, as we can and by whatever means we can that is what i can connect by hearing all the stories that we share on these healing circles yeah thank you and very well said education and empowering uh, people before they are diagnosed so that they don't get diagnosed with the diseases and after they are diagnosed so that they can take care of themselves in a better way and taking right decisions at the right time as nadia shared uh, uh, take away from the journey are not ignoring signs and symptoms because it can really cost you your life uh, it costed mm-hmm. natesh's life it costed vera her life so uh, very important uh, lessons and uh, education and empowerment is another thing so and we have a uh, kped india with us who is doing wonderful work in uh, cancer prevention and screening side so they have worked with uh, i would say uh, lakhs and, and millions of people on the screening early detection so that even if you know you have cancer you detect it early uh, so that you can uh, improve your chances of survival because early detection is the cure if it's initial stage 1 and 2 it's very much curable and you can lead a normal life and if it's uh, uh, and uh, also the cost of treatment is very low if it's detected early so thank you kped uh, for uh, joining us and also doing the wonderful work in the field of cancer and now the covid uh, uh, helping uh, corona affected patients or helping other people who are in the affected regions uh, for doing what you do thank you so much next i would request divya sharma uh, thank you for joining us today and please uh, share how you want people to remember you since you also have gone through a very deep healing journey and your story always inspires me so yes divya so i actually I never thought about you can see you <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> so i actually never thought about it uh, how i want to be remembered but uh, but uh, as i think of it now uh, i think like uh, i want to remembered as a happy soul who never gave up even after seeing that uh, so closely not once but three times and uh, who always believed in giving and giving wow thank you and divya is a wonderful uh, uh, she writes beautiful poems divya would you like to share something here if you remember any of your latest work अभी तो जो मैंने हिंदी में लिखा था वो तो कर लिया खुद को तैयार मैंने पता है सफर बहुत लंबा है सीख लिया चलना अकेली ही मैंने कोई आने वाला नहीं साथ मेरे मुश्किल दौर आया है नसीब में मेरे आया है तो गुजर भी जाएगा रखना पड़ेगा भरोसा खुद पर मुझे संभलना पड़ेगा खुद ही मुझे कह दो कोई इस खुदा से जाके ना ले इतने इम्तिहान मेरे 
थक्कर उसे ही लिखनी पड़ेगी खुशिया नसीब में मेरे वंडरफुल वंडरफुल नादिया आई विल जस्ट आई विल ट्राई टू ट्रांसलेट इट फॉर यू शी स्पोक सो वेल इज सो फास्ट वेरी ब्यूटिफुल पोएम वेर शी सेज दैट द जर्नी इज लॉन्ग द जर्नी इज टफ By the same time, God, if you are giving me so many troubles, you will have to take out the time to write the good stars in my story, <laughs> because I will fare well. And after faring well, I will get all the happiness that I want more than the troubles that you have given me. So very beautiful mm, poem, Nidhi. I hope I have uh, done little bit of justice. <laughs> <laughs> प्रॉब्लम and i i cannot and uh, since we are driving very fast that's why um Please. i barely sometimes i can you know it gets cut so i, I can't um, put on my uh, camera and i'm on my mobile so i do not have a good but first of all dimpy uh, dimple it's so nice to see that you're doing all this and um i wanted to get in touch with you yesterday especially um because of this special day for you which was yesterday that started your journey and that's how um i mean i got to meet you before i was also already into this journey um but rohit was there yesterday and he knows um i don't know if i if you remember but i had contacted you earlier this year regarding my brother in law being sick and he's managed to um to merge with light oh okay so yeah. so i i i told uh, yesterday in the healing circle where rohit was that uh, you know people came and say oh we are sorry my deepest condolences i think these are just cultural things that people need to say but actually i am i am really grateful that he did not have to suffer that long and i have so much to learn from him i just share with you one little um thing which i shared yesterday in the healing circle too uh i went and he he passed away on friday night so saturday early morning no it was thursday night i'm not sure yeah thursday night sorry thursday night yeah. friday early morning right so i spoke to i went to visit him on wednesday and i asked him peter so how are you peter and peter said um except for the difficulty that i have in breathing that he had breathing difficulty because the water was in his lungs um otherwise i have nothing to complain about i mean come on he was he, it was we could see that he had difficulty but he always said this there's nothing to complain about so um and so <laughs> one thing i would like to be remembered as not a complainer <laughs> nothing to complain about 
Yeah. Um, sorry, I just put away my phone. And um, there I also thought a great question because that helps me to see where I'm going in my life right now. And I usually tell, um, being a yoga therapist, I tell my patients, um, you know, they should make their movie, their life movie now, being aware and making each and every scene that they want to have in their movie. But even this, how would you like to be remembered? I think that's one step further, you know? And um, I've, I've been thinking about it since you asked me. And I said, I wish, I, I really wish that I would be um, remembered as a loving, caring person. And Dim, Dimple, you are my really uh, the hero, you know? You, you have given me so much, uh, so much love. And uh, yeah, a loving person. And I just want people to remember me as my always, my message is all that you have to do in life is to breathe and to smile. Oh, that's <laughs> I like that. That's really sweet. Um, and thank you, Nadia. I could not join you earlier, but Nadia, I'm so proud of you. So proud of you that you thank come you. here to share the story, to... Uh, even though I myself haven't gone through it much, but just it inspires me, it gives me hope, it encourages me to do work in this field. I wanted to do it, Dimple, but now I think I should really get into it. <laughs> Thank you very much. Guys, I'm sorry, but I have to, um, I'll have to go now. <laughs> Yeah. Thank Before. you for joining Shilpa. Love you. Thank you. Yeah. Take care and big hugs to all of you. Big hugs. <laughs> big hugs. Kudos. Bye. 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 Thank you. Uh, wonderful. And Shilpa has her own deep uh, journey. She is living, uh, going through uh, tough times, but I'm sure um, she's, uh, she'll pass through it. Um, may I request uh, Prakash Ji? Uh, I think uh, his speaker is not there, so he won't be able to uh, speak. Vijay uh, ji, can I request you to share? Vijay Agrawal? I'm just listening. New, joined newly. Would you like to share how you want people to remember you when you leave this physical world? Uh, I won't be able to speak right now. Nice. Give me some time. No worries, no problem. Thank you. So, uh, thank you. Uh, uh, and beautiful experiences from everyone. Uh, before even we begin the circle, me and Kishan was talking that it's going to be uh, uh, a very deep uh, circle because uh, we are talking about the experiences and especially um, experience of loss. So, if I have to say, um, how I want people to remember me when I die. Uh, I want to, no, I want people to remember me as uh, someone who cared and someone who tried.
I am very grateful to um, all of you once again uh, for uh, making this space uh, very uh, sacred. Uh, at the same time, healing and happy space where we share our emotions. It was. It would have been Nitesh's thirtieth uh, birthday yesterday. It was twenty seventh June, and uh, I got to spend only one birthday with him, which was uh, his twenty seventh birthday, uh, and then. before his next birthday he was not there but uh, blessed to have you all of you in our lives <laughs> so uh, and a special thanks to nadia for uh, sharing your wonderful journey of caregiving um, of what it means to be a caregiver for a person and there are diff- difficult decisions which we have to take the way you stood for your sister the way you cared for your family is just wonderful and i'm sure that you know your lessons of uh, uh, cancer prevention and the wonderful work which you are doing and the way so you are supporting uh, american cancer society and your book as well it would reach to millions of other people and uh, uh, i am personally very uh, honored to host you in our today's healing circle talks blessed to have uh, amazing mothers like kavita aunty friend like atul ji and divya rohit and everyone else with us so uh, with this um, would uh, close uh, today's healing circle uh, nadia any last few words would you like to share um i've never actually attended one of these before so i thought it was a really good experience personally um i loved hearing everyone speak loved meeting you all um and you guys are all heroes and inspiration to many of us and to me as well um thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it thank you so much we will close with a minute of silence we'll just take a minute of silence oh, what a blessing thank you and uh, nadia woke up at 4:30 because uh, she is in us and uh, it's now 6 am for you right it is uh-huh. <laughs> i'm just about to start my day <laughs> no thank you nadia for uh, uh, coming at 4 am getting up at 4 am for this uh, circle and uh, blessed blessed to have you thank you so much everyone the next healing thank circle you. Thank have you. a good evening everyone thank you thank you so much thank you so much Thank Guys, bye-bye. bye bye. Bye.